God thinks generations. God sees you, God sees your children, and God sees your grandchildren. God even sees beyond that. And he wants us, you and me, to think generations. And when we do that, it guides us toward what what matters most in our life. It, It guides us towards what we prioritize and what we don't. It helps us choose how to best invest the time and the talent and the treasure that we've been given. Thinking generations also guides our church, Skybreak, in the decisions we're making. It guides us to create spaces and environments like this one you're sitting in and like children, several hundred of them are sitting in in other rooms on this campus right now. It helps us prioritize to create a space where kids can learn and receive stories about Jesus and find peace and hope because how many of you know kids have stress too? How many of you know kids deal with tension too? How many of you know children have issues and challenges too? And we want them to have a place that's safe that they can come to. So it helps us make decisions. When you think generationally, you're not just thinking about yourself. You're thinking big picture. And that's the way God sees things. So I want to take a few minutes and talk today about having a generational mindset. Psalm 92 verse 12, Pastor Nate started us in this series, We Are the Church. What a great message last Sunday, by the way. And let's not just go to church, let's be the church. Come on, somebody. I was listening to two sermons. I was about to preach one and I was listening to this one because they're two hours behind us in Seattle. They always sleep in. We get to... (laughs) Here's Psalm 92, 12. The righteous will flourish. They will grow. Planted. Everybody say that word. Planted where? Planted in the house of the Lord. That's where we will flourish. Verse 14, I'll lean into today. They will still bear fruit in old age. My my granddaughter Layla's taking pictures around the campus. I'm looking for her right now. She was moving around here all morning. But she's told me, I don't see her, she's 15. And she's told me, she said, you're not old until you're 70. (laughs) Now, I think there's some 70-year-olds in here that you'd probably beg to differ with her about that. And I'm already into my 60s, and I'm like, you're going to have to move that number somewhere (laughs) beyond that. (laughs) Anybody with me today? (laughs) But the writer said, David, he said, you'll flourish when you're planted in the house of the Lord and you'll still bear fruit in old age and you'll stay fresh and green. Say amen to the reading of the word of the Lord. You may be seated. 
The families that leave the greatest legacy are families that think long-term. Families that see beyond their lifetime and equip and empower future generations to go beyond where they have gone. Some of you are, you know, and it's, 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 I have some dear friends in our church and I know some of them are, I'm not sure what announcements to make, but I have some friends in our church. We've been doing life together a long time and we all became, are becoming and, and are grandparents. We are eight times grandparents now. Some of you are adding to that, that number, right? And we celebrate with you. And I don't know what's public, so I ain't looking at nobody, but I know. How many grandparents in the room say yes? yes. <laughs> Nothing like it in all the world and when you become a grandparent, if, you are, if you're thinking like you should be thinking, even before you get there, we should be thinking generationally. Great families, great nations, and particularly great churches see their children as their most valuable resource and greatest hope for the future. To invest our time and our talents and our treasure into future generations is the greatest and wisest investment we can make. Scripture teaches that God, God's plan for his church is that it would get stronger in every generation to be the salt, to be the light and the hope of the world, to baptize, to teach, to make disciples. Let me say it very plainly to you. The church is God's plan A, and there is no other plan. There is no backup. There is no plan B. Jesus came to build the church. The church is God's plan A, and that's it. If every generation of God's church has to start over, we're not going to advance God's kingdom from one generation to another. But if we think generationally, then you start to have some traction and you start to gain ground and one generation begins to build on the work of another and every generation leaves a legacy that empowers and positions future generations to stand taller and see farther and accomplish more, more to reach the world that, with the saving message of Jesus. I'm so thankful for the generations before me. Those who invested their time and energy and made it possible for me as a child to have a kid's ministry to go to. I remember as a small boy going into some of those buildings, I can still see that in my mind's eye as a little boy going in where the presence of God was felt. It might have been hot and sweaty in some of those rooms and we were packed in there. I mean, kids everywhere, but Jesus was there. And I had some times at a youth camp. I had some times in kids' church. I had some times on a Friday night at youth service where God spoke to me and it changed the future trajectory of my life, to learn Bible stories, to memorize scriptures and experience Jesus. Thank God for some of those who have gone before us who have paved the way so we could be here today and know Jesus today. I'm thankful for my parents and my grandparents. It's amazing as you grow older, 
My grandparents have been gone a long time. My last living maternal grandmother was 99 days from her 100th birthday when she went to heaven. But it's been a while. Then, of course, October 5th, lost my dad as he moved to heaven. And now my mom, 83, is figuring all that out. And as my brothers and I trying to adjust, as some of you, you, life just becomes alive. And I'm just here to tell you, I'm thankful for parents and grandparents, generations before me who introduced me to church life and to a walk with God. And for the people who have spoken into my life prophetically or with a word of encouragement, who took time to lay their hand on my shoulder and say, it's going to be okay and help me grow into the man I am today. Who's going to be the generational people who think generationally that become those people now that look to the younger group and say, I just need to take a little bit of time and not be so busy, but lay hand on their shoulder, give them a word of encouragement, invite them to go get a burger, have them over to my house, speak into them. Because some of you've lived a few days and you've got a few stories you could tell, not all of them. But you got some stories of the faithfulness and the goodness of God that need to be transferred to the next generation. We've got to have a generational mindset as a church, as a people, as people of God. God wants us to hear that today. It is our responsibility. I'm also thankful for how my generation has moved the church forward. I'm humbled that we've been called to be a part of the church in this day. You can look at the world and say it's really sick, and I would agree with you, but God planted us here because he knew we were equipped, and the generation right behind me, we've coupled together, and we are joining hands now, and he knew we were equipped for this moment, or he wouldn't have put us here, but he's got you here, and he's got me here for this particular season in time because you have what it takes to be a voice for God into this generation and those young people that are coming behind us that are so, so drawn away, many of them from the things of God and they're confused, but we need to be a light and we need to be clear and we need to walk in confidence as the people of God who know him and have a generational mindset to lead the next generation to the foot of the cross. Man, I'm also thankful for my adult children and your adult children, many of which who have grown up in this church, natural and spiritually, the children I'm calling them. When you think about the next generation of church kids, of our sons and daughters who are serving God today, they're in a stronger and better position than I was at their age. And that's the way it should be. I think about the incredible 20 and 30 year old pastors and musicians and church leaders and songwriters and young moms and dads even sitting in this room. The Indries got their first grandbaby. And it is, is the baby right there, is that it? Dad, <laughs> Dad's got his hand. I hadn't got to see her yet, but here's this three generations now in one church. In fact, if you go back to the grandparents, Eric's mom and dad are four generations in this church right there on that row represented. 
That says something. And I think about all these young moms and dads and all the leaders now, planted in the local church. Everybody say planted. Planted in the local church, serving God's purpose for their life, using their gifts and talents to make a difference in the generation that they're in and the ones coming behind them. When you think generations, you've just, you're not just thinking about your age group and you don't just think about your children, you think beyond that. As a pastor, I think about my children. We have two sons, as you know, and Pastor Nate is just, I'm so proud of them. Pastor Jared and worship and Pastor Nate's leadership of, of our church and the vision that he's bringing to this house. Both of them, both of our sons have four children apiece. We taught them, be fruitful and multiply. Because I want a lot of grandkids. <laughs> Woo! Anyway. And then Pastor Nate's family stayed at our house. Their house has got a little work going on, so they're staying at our house. I'm glad that four kids are going to get to go home in a little while. Dude, they're <laughs> That's really tongue-in-cheek. They were all at the house, everybody, Friday night, and it's loud. And you've got to corral them, and there's a few butts got to get whipped every once in a while. Come on now. But I love every minute of it. I love it. Landon went with me Friday. We were running. I took him into the bank doing some bank business. He's my six-year-old. He's everywhere. But he did great. And he's asking him about the bank, and he's looking in the vault, and they had the door open. He's back. I had to watch him. I didn't know if he was going to run in there or not. He'd come out with something. I'm like, it's not a setup. I'm not packing. This is not a holdup. I'm not trying to use kids. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. My mind, I think I had AD when I was a kid and it never left. So my mind's everywhere. Are you with me today? But we got to spend time with him. And I was teaching him and I said, you want to be a banker when you grow up? He said, no, it's boring. He said, I want to be a fighter pilot. What? Like, well, that ain't boring. And I said, but you do have to sit in the classroom for hours and days. That's kind of boring to be a fighter pilot. He goes, yeah, thought about that. <laughs> Let me stay with my notes. We're going to be here all day. When you think generations, you think about your children and your grandchildren. Here's what Genesis 28 says. God said, I'm the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham, the God of your father, Isaac. The ground that you, Jacob, are lying on belongs to me. I'm giving it to you and to your descendants. Everybody say descendants. So to be generationally minded, it's to think at least three generations into the future. Everybody say three. Exodus 3 says, I'm the Lord, the God of your fathers. Everybody say fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, he names three generations. John was writing, 1 John 2, he said, I'm writing to you fathers. I'm writing to you young men and I'm writing to you children, three generations. Proverbs 13 says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, three generations. So we're to think at least three generations into the future. Secondly, if I'm gonna think generationally, it's to 
Hear me, everybody. It's to embrace other generations rather than be arrogant towards them. Now, I almost took this out and then I put it back because I think it's important. To embrace, to embrace means to accept and support willingly and enthusiastically. Everybody say willingly. Say, so how many times are you going to ask us to say something? I don't know. Stay with me. Willingly and enthusiastically. So, so if I embrace the differences in other generations, I'm enjoying the differences. I'm laughing with, not at the differences. I'm delighted by them. Because the tendency, however, is not to embrace, but to be arrogant. Now, that's a little strong of a word, but we all have this idea that my generation was the best generation. The good old days. No, they weren't. My grandparents carried water from the creek. They had no running water in the house. You had to go out to a porta potty. That's what we call them now. They had no electricity, no air conditioning, no light bill. The next time you want to make you a latte, you're out of luck. Next time you want to plug in the toaster, you're out of luck. It wasn't the good old days. You know, this generation sometimes we could say, well, I don't like the younger kids' music. And I had to deal with some of that growing up. Man, my music was awesome. I taught 70s rock and roll. Ain't nothing like it. People, see, I'm doing it right now. But then I had to learn to embrace. When my kids started listening to music and it was different, it was and thumping and different, and I'm like, that's, I guess, okay. Stay with me. We don't like their fashion, right? When I was young and my jeans got holes in them, we threw them away. Now my grandkids go pay 75 bucks for a pair of jeans that's got holes all in them. I'm like, Somebody just saved those in a truck somewhere for 40 years and brought them out and reselling them for $75. Ingenious. So here's what I'm saying. Instead of letting our differences separate us, I think God wants us to be generational bridge builders. So can we do that as a church? Families and even church people can suffer because of generational bias. They have no example of how the generations can bridge the gap, but I love it that my grandkids and I get to spend some time together and I'm trying to understand. And even at 62 years old and I have 15 and 12 and eight and nine and seven and six and four and 10 months almost, I, I, wanna, I wanna connect, I wanna connect, because they're gonna grow up fast. 10 years changes everything. And we need to learn, come on older generation, we need to be bridge builders. We need to be generational bridge builders. I see the church as a place where we demonstrate how to bridge that gap and embrace other generations, accepting their differences and building a bridge in relationships. Don't just have a small group always with just your buddies. Think outside of that. I know you need that. I need that. But think beyond. Think bigger. Think three. Think next generation. What are we going to do to involve and woo the next generation? They need you now more than ever. Here's another thing. When you think generationally, the third thing is you learn to serve down. Let me say it this way. Some just want to be with people their own age. But when you have a generational mindset, you think of serving and investing in those younger than you. And it takes work. 
This principle is for all of us in every age, in fact. So let me speak to you middle age and even teens some that are in the room. If you're in your teens or your 20s, you're in a prime spot age-wise to have a positive influence not only on your peers, but also on a younger child. A nine-year-old, a 12-year-old, looking to a 17-year-old is huge. A 15-year-old looking at a 19-year-old is huge. Do not underestimate your ability as a person in this room of every age to speak into and have influence. You're really cool. And a nine-year-old or a 12-year-old, they want to emulate you. Leverage that for the good and be a generational bridge builder. Don't sit back and say, I'm in high school, I'm in college, I'm a young adult. Or maybe you're a grandparent and, and I get it. And you're like, man, I'd like to you know, buy an RV and drive off into the sunset. And that's fine for a few weeks. But when you come back home, get back involved. Get in the trenches. Real, go enjoy what you've earned. But when you get back, realize we're building something generational around here here and it doesn't stop with you or your kids or even your grandkids if Jesus tarries is coming we got to keep sowing seed and making sure the next generation has a leg to stand on that they don't have to start all over again come on somebody we got some responsibility Parents, we love your kids, and we want the best for them. We want the best for them. And I'm asking every one of you, parents, grandparents, to get involved in, in Skybreak Kids and to get on a team and give back to our church community by serving each other and each other's kids. This is not a observation church. It's a participation church. Well, that, that didn't win me over at all, that wonderful, overwhelming clap right there. I said, this is not an observation church. This is not a place to only come and get your tank filled and I'm good, y'all are okay on your own. I'm not gonna give anything back. I'm not gonna serve. I'm just gonna show up, get my good pump up for the day and then go out and have my world and live it, you know, and live until next Sunday. Doesn't work that way. Around my house, we had two sons growing up and we had both of them mowing the grass and both of them doing the laundry and both of them cleaning up their room. Why? You gonna live in this house? You got some responsibilities around it. Pastor, that's hard. I thought this was the church. It is the church and we're the family of choice and we have a responsibility to think generationally and it's not just about you. In the last 12 months, Skybreak Kids has welcomed 973 individual children, fifth grade and under, to our church. 973 in the last 12 months, under fifth grade, fifth grade and under, at Skybreak Youth, which happens every Wednesday night. We have served 377 teenagers who came at least one time to a Wednesday night youth event. That's a lot of teenagers, somebody. Do you remember when you were a teenager? 
We have an incredible team of volunteers in the Skybreak Kids Ministry, but you are still very needed. We can use as we can use many more. I'd rather have a line of teachers that we say, hey, hey, you can't serve this week. Go on in the main building, go on in the arena. We'll call you when we need you. I would rather be like that, where people are so anxious to give from our experience to say, well, I'm not a teacher to kids. That's okay, we got a place for you. You know, there's some of you, we don't want you teaching our kids because your fuse is about that long. We don't need you teaching kids because you'd be slapping somebody across the room. I know there's times if I was in kids, send me in with a rope and some duct tape, we'd be all right. And they come, y'all, just stay with me a minute, okay? I'm just painting. People come and say, how are the kids today? I said, man, we were all tied up. We were really sticking together, wrapping that duct tape around. Are y'all with me? Come on now. You, you, you don't, I get that, but you know that it's way more than that to serve and facilitate and honor our kids and let them know that they matter. That a nine-year-old, my firstborn grandson, red hair, blue eyes, He's a ginger through and through. He's feisty and he's tender and he's kind and he knows it all. <laughs> he answers you. No, that's not, that's not right. I'm like, well, you shut up for a minute. And I'm going to tell you what's right. I'm about to show you what's right. No. But the truth is half the time the freaking kid's right. I'm like, you read too much. <laughs> but you know what? That nine-year-old, I'm the only I'm a grandpa to him. There's a couple of them in his life, but I'm the only dad's dad. I'm his dad's dad. Nobody else can do that. And you know, if I mess around, he'll be 12. And then I mess around, he'll be 17. And then I want to know where he's at. And you think you have time. Some of you don't have children yet. Like, man, he ain't talking to me. I'm talking to you. You want children serving kids ministry. First of all, it might be the best control, birth control you've ever had. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> that's worth coming for right there. You ought to throw a tip in the box on the way out like, whoo, he just saved me lots of money <laughs> and frustration. No, kids are the apple of our eye. We are we are the apple of God's eye. We love our kids. I was talking to Kendall the other day, and I was, Kendra said about the same things. Like, four kids are driving you crazy. I don't know what to do. But which one are you going to get rid of? <laughs> like, what would life be if I didn't have one of them? Because you don't, you don't know. And, and I have a, a dear friend. He's got six kids. And he said, man, you must, you must really love kids. He said, no, I just really like my wife. <laughs> Yeah, I got that one. Okay, stay with me here a little bit. Some of y'all missed that one. Talk to somebody older than you. I don't know what to tell you. Here's the fourth one. Let me, let me wrap this up. I got several things to talk about, so don't start playing yet. Y'all are back there, but don't start playing yet. To think generationally is to stay young at heart. Everybody say young at heart. Aging happens, but oldness does not have to happen. Yeah, I get it that I can't do everything I did 20 years ago, but by golly, I'm gonna give it a whirl. And, you, and, I, and I can, young is not as much an age as it is an attitude. Everybody say attitude. 
Paul said, though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day after day. So it's very important that we stay fresh and stay young, as the scripture said, even in old age, unscathed by life and not jaded or bitter, but full of vision. When we stay young at heart, we give ourselves permission to keep thinking big and stay faith-filled. We see ourselves changing the world one person and one generation at a time. God wants us to continue to see the possibilities and be excited about the future. So when you came in today, you were given something, hopefully, if we had enough to go around. Would you take it out, if you have it? It's a, it's a piece of a puzzle, if you hadn't figured that out by now. It's a piece of a puzzle. I got one here in my pocket. In fact, I have two of them. I snuck another one in. They just didn't know it. And I got two pieces, and gosh, they look nothing alike. Like, they are so different. And I want you to notice, does everybody have one? If you don't have one, look at your neighbors. We may have, we, we tried to pick up a big enough puzzle. We tried to put it together a few minutes before church. No, just kidding. This takes, this is, anyway. I want you to look at that piece in your hand. This piece represents you. You are a one of a kind, unique peace in God's picture. There's not another piece in this room. I have two of them here. There's not another piece in this room exactly like yours. No one is just like you. No one is just like you. Well, they don't need me. Oh, I beg to differ with you. We need you and you need you and we need you to be connected on the team and you need to be connected on the team because you're not the full picture by yourself. In fact, if you look at it, sometimes you can make it out. I think this one right here has, it has some fall colors but it also has look green like grass and then there's some brown stuff. I don't know if that's dirt. You ever looked at your life like that sometimes? Well, I'm not sure, man, I got, see this, and I know I got, man, I'm, I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to be doing. That's why we want you to stop by the booths out at the ministry expo. This is why we're having this right now, so you can help find your way. Growth Track does that. It helps you discover purpose. We've talked about it till we're almost blue in the face, and some of you, maybe you've missed that. We want you to know God, find freedom anything holding your life back and discover purpose. God made you a unique piece for a reason because you have a contribution to make that nobody else can make. You remember in the school play when that one child had that one thing to do and it was like the, it was like the, the bell, the triangle bell and it, the whole concert. And then if they didn't went, bing, Y'all remember that? You ever see? And they sat there the whole time. Like, 17 minutes went by. Bing. Thank you very much. What a concert. Y'all with me? 
17 minutes to go. Oh, dang it, I missed it. Bing, bing, bing. Take it out, and it's not the same. So anybody want to guess what this picture is? Anybody know what it is? Look, take a look at it. What is this? Anybody want to guess? That it's a boat. It's teeth. It is an ocean. It is a mountainside. Anybody want to guess? What do you think it is? A what? A volcano? You said something else before that. So you're still guessing. What is it? Sunset. Flowers? Anybody, what, what is your piece? Can you, forest, spade? <laughs> you know we're all over the place, aren't we? Okay, look at that piece, and then if media's on the ball here today, I want you to see. I'm gonna show you what, if we all get connected, this is what it looks like. After church, you can come outside and go duck hunting. Jared Ayers. <laughs> I didn't pick that picture accidentally. But when you're by yourself, you're not the complete picture. And we're not the church. But when you start putting the pieces together, and you can't just connect. I got two pieces here. It kind of fits right there, but you can just tell it ain't a, it's not a match. It's just not in the right place. It's, it's, and, it, and there's a gap. But somewhere in the puzzle and in the picture of Skybreak Church, God brought you here. Listen carefully to what I'm saying. Everybody in this room. If you're supposed to be planted at Skybreak, then you're one of these pieces and you need to get connected where you're supposed to be connected. <laughs> Stay with me. Transparency. If you're not planted in Skybreak, you have a question to answer. Am I supposed to be planted here? If you are, you need to get planted. You need to get connected. You need to start bringing what you offer to the table. If you're not supposed to be planted in Skybreak, then the best thing I can say to you is go find where you can be planted and get planted there so God can use you in the picture where he wants to use you. How much, I can't be more clear and honest than that. If God's called you to Skybreak, get planted. Now, one other point with this. If one of you is missing, it looks something like that. That's just one. But now I'm like, what is that? Is that the North Star kind of all messed up? What? Do you understand how? Just leave it up there for a minute. When... When you're not in place, there's a gap and nobody can fill that gap but you. So let me close with two simple thoughts. 
I'm going to leave that there for a minute. The first thing, here's what's important for you to know. To make a difference with your life, you have to be available. Everybody say available. I wanted to put a scripture up, Matthew 20, verse 30. Jesus was on his way to Jericho. There were some blind men that cried out to him. They said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Notice this verse, and it says, Jesus kept on walking because he was busy and he was on his way to do good things, so he just kept on going and said, they'll help you down the road. Somebody will be by later. What does it say? Jesus did what? Come on, say it like you know it. He stopped. Read through the New Testament, almost without exception, Every time Jesus did something miraculous or special for an individual, he was on his way to do that for somebody else and stopped because he didn't want anybody, as many as he could reach, to not get what they needed. But the key is he was interrupted. Let me say it to you this way. Minister to the people God puts right in front of you. Some of you are trying to, <laughs> well, we need to reach the world. And the last time you smiled at your post man, woman, I don't know what we call them these days, the mailbox people. I wave at ours. I, I, I say, hi, how are you doing? Nice day. Sometimes we get people right in front of us and we're trying to reach the world. What about the person right in front of you? What about the children right across the way over there, right here, right now? What about the people down the road? Well, I don't know those people. Well, whose fault is that? Be available. Jesus was interrupted, and we gotta be willing to be interrupted. Never tell your neighbors, Proverbs says, never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them today. Everybody say today. Everybody say today. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, next week, down the road. Today, everybody say today. Today, today is the ministry expo. Well, I'll sign up later when I'm not so busy. It ain't ever gonna happen. You're just making excuses. You know, the truth is, I make excuses for the things I just don't wanna do right now. It doesn't mean they don't need to be done. I had to get some tax stuff together, and I hate doing that. I hate it, but guess what? If I wanna get paid, I got to do my tax stuff. Had an incentive. Had to go sit down. Sometimes you just do some things. But you know what? Once I got involved, I was like, man, this is good. I'm going to get paid. Making a difference is being available today. Don't wait for things to settle down because they wait. won't. Don't wait for the kids to grow up. Yours will grow up and so will everybody else's. And you, you'll just, it won't happen. Get connected today. And here's the second thing. You got to be available Got to be available, and you also have to be faithful. Not just today, but next time and the next time. Here's what Jesus said. I brought you glory on the earth. Jesus, is Jesus, talking to God. He said, I brought you glory on the earth by completing the assignment you gave me to do. 
Finding and fulfilling your assignment is what being faithful means. Salvation is free. But once you get saved, every one of us has an assignment. Listen to me. I'll be done. You've never lived until you find your place and are making a difference on a team with other people. You've never felt the fulfillment that will bring if you've never done that. I guarantee you, yes, there's work. Yes, there's preparation. Yes, I love Janet. We've been married 44 years almost. But marriage is work because she's got to figure out how to live with me. Everything that matters takes work. So what's that got to do with it? Children, they're sweet. They're kind. They poop. They throw up. They fuss. It's work. But the Bible says they're the joy of the parent, the one who has his quiver full. So I'm asking you today, just a moment, to go out to this expo and find your place. Now, here's, I'm going I'm to do a bold thing that Pastor Date did last week. If you're not planted in Skybreak, but you feel like, you know, Pastor, these last two weeks, this has spoken to me. Last Sunday, Pastor Nate, you, if I understood correctly, you asked people who weren't planted if they wanted to be planted to stand. Is that right? Raise their hand. Okay, well, I'll do that. How many of you love our church family? Yeah, everybody raise their hand. Thank you. Love it, right? If you... If you're planted in Skybreak Church, would you stand? How about that? You're planted, you're involved, this is your home church. Now, not, meant to, not meant to put any pressure on anybody, but I know it is, right? Now let's give all these people that are seated a hand. Those of you standing up, give them a hand, because they're new. Is this okay? <laughs> Come on, give them a hand. All right, everybody be seated, everybody be seated. Thank you. It takes everybody. Can we put that missing piece back up there, that picture? I want you to see that. I want you to bow your heads with me, please. Father, I thank you for every person who has brought Skybreak to where it is today. We have a responsibility to be part of this family of choice. We are a unique, essential part and piece of this house. And I pray blessing and favor over every single person. Thank you for those serving today. Thank you for those that were in the parking lot, that are in the lobby, that are with our kids, that are on this stage preparing to bring us worship. Lord, I thank you. And I know we all feel that way. Those producing this service right now that are in other rooms doing things so we can all enjoy that in here. Thank you for all of these volunteers. And I pray favor upon them and those you're speaking to today, Lord, that may not know where they fit. I pray that you would quicken something in our hearts to know I have a contribution to make. And I may not know what that is, but I want to find it. I want to fill that space. I pray you would fulfill that dream in every person's heart. And if if we're not planted in Skybreak Church, let's, 
make that decision today to get planted. In Jesus' name. Now just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If, if you've never invited Jesus to be your Savior, as I said earlier, every sermon ends with an invitation for anyone who wants to start a new journey in life with Jesus Christ. You need a fresh start from wherever you are. Jesus is here to take you by the hand and to make that happen. And if you'll just say, Lord, forgive me, take away my past. He'll give you a brand new beginning and you can start with him today. Wherever you're watching from or if you're in this room, I want to pray a prayer publicly out loud. We're all going to repeat it together. Everyone in this room is going to say it out loud, a prayer of salvation. And if you want to pray that prayer with us and say, I want to make that start. I want to know I'm ready to go to heaven. Would you just raise your hand so I'll know who I'm praying with today? Thank you for that so much. Just lift up your hand right where you are. I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. I want to be saved. Just lift it up so I'll know who I'm praying with. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I just want to make it to heaven. That's most important. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. If you're watching online, you can click right there. Someone will pray with you. We're so glad you're here. Anyone else? Just a moment more. Just lift that hand. We're about to pray together. All right, you can put those hands down. Can we give everybody an applause? We prayed. I mean, who lifted their hands right there? Come on. We're so proud of you making that decision. So let's, let's pray together. Would you join me right now? Say this with me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my past. Take away my sin. Thank you for dying for me on a cross. And I receive you today as the Lord of my life. Lead me from this day forward. And I'll do my best to honor you and serve you. Thank you for saving me. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, welcome them to church right now. Welcome them. We're so glad you're here.